Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hour number two of Oilers now. Bob Stoffer in Ice District. Uh, tonight's puck drop, by the way, 641. It's actually scheduled to be a 637 uh, uh, puck drop, uh, but they're going to just uh, obviously a little bit of a recognition of Barry Fraser and the work that he did with the Oilers uh, organization again, passing away at the age of 82. 641 puck drop tonight. Oilers now brought to you by World of Spas, Edmonton's number one hot tub and swim spa dealer, the ideal place to start your daily vacation in this hour. Longtime Washington Capitals player and broadcaster Alan May, and uh, we'll get an update from the farm with Colin Chalk, who's seen his team drop five straight games. Of course, uh, the Oilers have several of his players right now with Edmonton injury riddle, but uh, one team that knows all about that uh, are the Washington Capitals. And that's where we're going to go next. We're going to head off to the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline, 780-496-0063. The River Cree Resort Casino Excitement. Bet on it. And our Oilers now headliner today for Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It's the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhawk, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. Longtime Washington Capitals broadcaster Alan May joins us. Hi, Al. How you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me back, Bob. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, you know, we, we have you on every couple of weeks. We don't always talk about the Capitals, but tonight it is the Capitals in town. They're down several bodies. Um, so, too, are the Oilers, as you know, Al. Uh, just a thought on uh, what Washington has gone through this season so far. Well, they've always had a lot of injuries. You know, going into the season, they were already without Wilson. They were without Backstrom, Carl Hagelin. And it was more sounding like that Backstrom would never come back, that Hagelin definitely wouldn't be back. And now there's good news that Backstrom is just weeks to a month away. Wilson about the same category. They're not going to rush them back, but uh, Backstrom's going to defy everything. But what they're dealing with every night is repeated injuries. And going in tonight, they've got a couple more injuries. Darcy Kemper looks like he may have sustained a concussion the other night. Uh, Martin Faravari went out with an upper body injury. It looked like a, a, a shoulder or an elbow. Um, so he's going to miss. So right now they're missing... Uh, two right wingers, a center, two left wingers, two D, and a goalie. They're starting goalie, and it's uh, you know trying to figure out 
the right way to play with the personnel you have every night. You look at, you know, not having Backstrom, who's been the mainstay of the power play forever. Uh, you know, Wilson's a big power play penalty kill guy, as is Backstrom Brown. We never really got to know, but we all know that he's a really versatile, you know, type of utility player that can put the puck in the net. Carl Hagelin, one of the best penalty killers in the National Hockey League when he plays. Dmitry Orlov's the guy that's proven a lot of people wrong with how well he learned how to play defense. And he's also a guy that can move the puck. Martin Faravari leading the league, I think, in hits right now. And Darcy Kemper, you know, Stanley Cup champ. So they, they've been hit hard. And I think one of the indications, though, that they're not probably always playing the right way is how many minuses, you know, players that are, you know, deep in the minus category. And I'm not sure they're playing the right way right now for the personnel that they have. They've been trying to, you know, they tried to be in a track meet with Seattle the other night. They tried to do it a little with Vancouver. But, you know, Vancouver, they won that game on the four check. And in Calgary the other night, they let the game get away from them by not slowing the tempo down and and clogging up. And next thing you know, it was a, a game that was all about the rush and the Caps failed miserably in that one. So they're going to have to go back to the recipe that they used to beat the Oilers last time. And that was just to check the puck and stay in the middle of the ice and try to keep them to the perimeter. And that was probably the best team game and team philosophy they had all season long. Well, they got four power play goals in that game, Alan. They're only at 17% the rest of the season. If you take out that game, uh, they're 22nd in the league in the power play, including the game where they went four for five. But I think in fairness to them, they haven't had Carlson every night and they haven't had Oshie every night. And, in fact, in that game against Edmonton, they didn't have either of those two guys. They get those guys uh, in the lineup. They're a different team and certainly a different-looking power play, aren't they? Well, yeah, the, the power play was, you know, Edmonton's penalty kill. I don't know where it's at right now, but it was it's it was bad. horrendous that night. There was way too many lanes. There was way too many pockets uh, to, to move the puck to where guys were uncontested. And that's typically not how the Caps, you know, they, they scored that, and then they went many, many games without scoring another power play goal. But the power play is on a better clip right now. It's I'd rather have a team that scores one power play goal a game than, you know, you get four one game and they go blank for four or five. Uh, just to me, that that's what I like, and I and it's the same thing on the penalty kill. You want to you don't want to try to keep that down to maybe only you know letting in a penalty, uh, a power play goal against maybe every 25, 30, 35 percent of your games. But uh, right now, the, the the Caps are in trouble in a lot of areas, and I don't think they're going to win this one on the power play. But I do have to go back to that game. Edmonton really never penetrated the net, and it was a frustrating game the way it was played. I, I just thought Washington stayed in the middle of the ice. They weren't trying to throw the big body checks. Uh, you know, the one time that McDavid had open ice, he identified that he had a forward. I think that was on a four-on-four situation or a three-on-three. Three. saddle. Yeah. And he ide- yeah, yeah. yeah, and he, he identified that he had a forward back there. Strong. And he easily, easily skated around him. So, you know, it's. I think the only way that the Washington Capitals can play the Oilers tonight, if they expect to be in this game, is to, to play a very, very conservative game and try to block up the blue lines and frustrate the Oilers as best they can and take advantage of any mistakes that there might be with the puck. All right, so they don't have Backstrom, they don't have Hagelin, 35 and 34. Orlov's 31. Uh, Ovi's 37, and I mean, maybe there's a caveat next to his name. Sherry's 30. Kuznetsov's 30. He's got three goals this year. Oshie's 35. Johansson's 32. Eller's 33. Uh, Gustafson's 30. Carlson's 32. Irwin's 35. J- uh, TBR's 31. They got like they've got the oldest team in the. They've got 17 guys. If I include the guys that are, you know, on LTIR, it's unbelievable. They got nine. Uh, they're dressing 
eight forwards tonight that are in their 30s and five defensemen that are in their 30s. That's that's unbelievable. I've not, in all of the years that I've done the games, 15 seasons, I can't recall a team having that many guys 30-plus. And it's a young man's game. Or is it, Al? Are they too old, or can they survive this? What do you think? Well, I, I think with the you know with the experience comes a, a knowledge of how to play the game better. But at the same time, you get that experience. There's a lot of wear and tear in your body, and you look at how hard Ovechkin's played in his career. It's, it's amazing that he's still alive and kicking the way he's played. You know, he leads the league and hits some goals in the in, in the time that he's been in the National Hockey League. Uh, and you just think that. You know, it, it, there's fluid players that don't get as much damage on their bodies uh, that can still play the game. I look at like guy like Andrew Cogliano, who is, you know, was a big part last year in Colorado uh, for them winning the Stanley Cup. But, you know, you, you can't teach what he does. You can't teach that way of skating. But he's made sure that, you know, he hasn't played an overly physical brand of hockey in his career. He's a very intelligent hockey player. I'm not taking anything away from him. But, you know, when you name some of those guys, uh, Connor Sherry can play on any team in the National Hockey League, in my opinion. Uh, and I know he's 30 years old. And I know that when the, there was a beat reporter that's still with the Caps that the year they won the Cup said there was no way, their players are too old. And it was those two old players that had just incredible playoffs, and that was Backstrom and Ovechkin and, and John Carlson, and they were too old to play back then. So, you know, I, I never use the age thing for an excuse for the Capitals, but but I do think the wear and tear, like the amount of times T.J. Oshie's been out of the lineup last year five times, this year twice already. Uh, he's nowhere near the same player. But at the same time, I kind of admire the loyalty of the players that have been here that were big parts of the Stanley Cup. And, and Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, Backstrom, Carlson, Orloff, Eller. Uh, I, I like that back. But there's a lot of other guys that I think you're going to have to start transitioning out. And when you look at their cap friendly, the amount of unrestricted free agents, there's definitely a plan to start replacing players and go with the youth. But I don't think they wanted to, you know, Ovi has given so much to this team and this town, and you know he's made a lot of people a lot of money around Capital One Arena. Um, and they don't want to just be a team that tanks it right now while he's still you know, chasing after Wayne Gretzky's record and, you know, believing that if they have the right group of guys. So it's tough right now. Uh, Matt Irwin is a guy that, you know, he's, he's the seventh defenseman, but he's played admirably since he's got in the lineup. And, you know, one of the things when you draft, when you're finishing first in the league or near the top of the standings all the time, you don't get the premium draft picks. Yes. And, you know, they're, they're guys who are work in progress. And, you know, they, they haven't had that for a long time, those, those high, high picks that you really, really want. And I think that's just a few years away from happening. By the way, uh, who's their backup if Kemper's not here playing? If he's out, if he's not available? Uh, it's going to be Hunter Shepard from uh, Hershey. He, he's, uh, he's officially called up this morning. And uh, he's been having a very good season in Hershey so far. Uh, and this will be his, you know, his, his first time up here. I don't think he's played a game for the Caps yet, but uh, he's a kid that's come up. Zach Fucali played yesterday, uh, didn't have a great showing. I guess neither did Hunter Shepard, 6-0-2 so far this season, 1-8-3 and 9-32 goals against average on a team that's not scoring a whole lot of goals. So he's had his work cut out for him this season. So definitely deserving of a call-up at this time. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Al, I got to ask you this because you played a very hard-nosed brand of hockey. You did what you needed to do to, to get into the league in the first place. We had an incident the other night where Joel Edmondson killing a penalty absolutely buried Zach Cassian. Basically double cross-checked him and the second time, you know, face first right in the boards. I gotta tell you, it, 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 it was a cross-check and it was a dirty play. That's a play that wasn't always called in the 1980s or even into the early 1990s. Uh, he ended up getting a five-minute major, and it played a significant part in the game. The Oilers ended up getting two five-on-threes out of it and uh, or scored on two five-on-threes. Do you think they called too much today? Have they taken too much of the hitting out, or is it the right amount? What do you think? Well, I, I, I wasn't a fan of all the rule changes when they made them coming out of the big lockout, and I, I thought... You know, there there were guys in suits that never played the game that changed a lot of the rules, and I think they made the impact in the game way more dangerous, where players weren't able to protect themselves. Uh, you know, I thought they they went they over rotated on a lot of it. And back when I played, and when Mess and you know all, all you know look at all those Oilers, you used to ride players out. Kelly Buckberger, you'd ride players out into the boards. Now your hit is everything's an impact hit. It's like t-boning someone in, in the intersection. And because there's no holdups, there's no obstruction, uh, and I think they made the game the game's faster, but also they made it a lot more dangerous by by having that. And then there's the other part of it with you know, and, and I'm never going to go against what they've you know thought for youth hockey where there's no contact. Um, but you know, a lot of kids have been able to play a long time with their heads down, and yes. you know, you get near the boards, and they they turn to the boards, and they're perpendicular to it, and they're you know, as they get into contact hockey, they're they're not taught anything different as to how to protect themselves, embrace, and be ready for hits. So it's almost, you know, I can only imagine how catastrophic the injuries are that first year of of contact in youth hockey, and then it goes all the way through uh, to pro. And I think there's enough player, there's too many players that put themselves in bad positions. And I'm not victim-shaming because that's what, you know, I'm sure the, the people that don't like me are going to say. But at the same time, you've got to be very – they're on the other team. They're the opposition. Not everything – but you have to still take into account how to protect yourself in those situations. And the probably the penalty I hate the most is the blood, the drawing of a droplet of blood. When a player takes his pinky – after he gets hit in the face and he's looking for a drop of blood to show the referee, it drives me crazy. You know, he's looking for the four-minute penalty. You know, there's I think there's way more sticks to the face right now than there were in the time that I played. And the reason is because when you touch someone's face with a stick back when I played, the gloves were dropped. That if you're a guy like Gretz or someone else, like, a, a, you know, one of those top goal scorers on a team, we'll say Yari Curry, we'll say Glenn Anderson, if someone touched those guys with their stick, there was immediately gloves dropped all over the place. So that was the deterrent. So I don't think we saw it as much. But uh, it's just uh, a different game. It's a different time. We're evolving. But I still think, you know, you get to the playoffs, 
you still, you know, when it's most intense and it's most physical and there's more on the line, everything's on the line, you see a lot of players still put themselves in harm's way because in the playoffs, everyone hits. The players that might not throw a hit all season long, all of a sudden they're finishing every play with reckless abandon. And we see a lot of major hits in the playoffs, like a lot of huge hits. And they don't really call them to the same severity that they do in the regular season when someone takes those impact hits on the boards. You know, it's funny, Al. I I noticed a change with university hockey, doing the Golden Bears in the late 80s. Like, it was shocking to me because there was no fighting. They'd taken fighting out of university hockey. So you had, you know, the good players in university hockey come out of major juniors, you know. Okay, and maybe they're not good, you know, maybe they're not six foot one, six foot two, fleet footed guys with physicality. Um, but, you know, there's still, you know, some of those guys are 40. Adam Morrison was a 50 goal scorer in the Western Hockey League who could look after himself. But what I noticed is because they had no fighting, is the five foot 10 guys ran around with basically, and they could do whatever they wanted. Total impunity on the ice. Like they knew that there wasn't going to be any consequence for their action of, of pretty much being a rat. And so you would have some colossal hits. Like in the late 80s and early 90s at a Golden Bears game, if they played Calgary, when Willie Desjardins was coaching Calgary and Billy Morris was coaching the U of A, I'm not kidding you. There might be 250 hits in a game. Like guys were crushing each other. Uh, and there would be, you know, scrums after whistles, but there was no, we can't have fighting. Oh, no, we can't have fighting. And what it lent itself is the rats took over, Al. And I noticed it, and we've eventually seen an entire generation. Like, when you played Major Junior in New West, how many guys in your team could fight or would fight? Uh, I think I had a game one night where we only had three guys left on both benches. Okay, so, <laughs> so, so basically too many too many guys that have a good hockey team. <laughs> right. So pretty much everybody, like, it would not be uncommon to have, you know, on, on a, eight, let's say you, you dress 25 skaters during the season with call-ups and injuries. It would not be uncommon for a junior team in the WHL in the 1980s to have 22 to 23 of those guys with at least one fighting major. So basically, and, and today, if, if you use 24 or 25 bodies during the season, you might have two or three guys with a fighting major during the year. But the stick infractions are, are and you try to explain this to people, Al, and they think you're Neanderthal, don't they? Well, it, you know what? The game has evolved, so that part's never going to come back. And, you know, I, I still look back at a lot of the stuff that I saw, especially in junior, was moronic and, and very dangerous and so totally reckless and actually hideous from, you know, just okay. some of the warm up brawls and the, the stupid things. If I, you know, I, if I was on YouTube going down and I saw some of the things that happened, there was too many of the, the five-on-five things and the, and the entire bench-clearing brawls that were just so violent and horrific. But then I look back, you know, it, it was better when, you know, you, and they changed the rules and you had to be, you know, you had to be self-accountable out there. There wasn't going to be the gong show stuff. But, you know, if someone did you wrong, you, you could take care of it. And, you know, as far as the rats, I think that that all came about, too, when the NHL went to, they started cutting down. And I, I think the coaches in the league and the manage, managers in the National Hockey League kind of ruined the, the, the role of, you know, dropping the gloves in the game by ha- employing players that were six foot six, 260 pounds that could not play more than one shift. And, you know, it kind of goes on with the, 
the Quebec Senior League. You know, uh, I, I don't know the proper name for it, but you know, it's kind of it was just a, a fight for show that had nothing to do with the game, and there was just these monsters out there. Right. And you know, and then you know, you had your rats running around, and then you have one guy. But I, I think it was a lot different when you had the mindset on a team where you can't do that against a team because they have so many guys. And I look at how. Wayne Gretzky, how Sather decided to protect Wayne Gretzky that first year. There were, there, you know, the, the entire time he was at Edmonton, but that first year, the players they brought in to, to, to make sure that no one was manhandling Gretz. And there was a lot of guys that could drop the glove and, and, and take care of things. And you look at Pat Price and Lee Foglin and Doug Hicks and you Colin Campbell. Like, that's just on the, then you had Kurt Brackenbury, uh, Peter Driscoll, Dave Semenko, you know, the, the toughest of all time, Pat really, Connor. in that era. Yeah, and then but you look at Pat. He, like guys would, you know, they knew they had to be, uh, you know, take care of Gretz, be accountable, and it wasn't the whole thing in the game. Whereas, you know, a lot of time, I remember the one Stanley Cup final, huh? The the acts of the Philadelphia Flyers, where they just started cheap shotting players, and it was, you know, for so long the Flyers, you know, were able to get away with that thuggish behavior, and I thought that was over the top. So I, I think they're, you know, that role is almost out of the National Hockey League, and you know, you'll see a guy drop the gloves, won't throw a punch, and you know, everyone acts like he's the toughest guy in the league. So to me, that should be delay a game. And uh, but it, it's just the game has changed. The game yeah. has changed, and 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 that's you know we have to live with that, and you got to evolve. But I think at the same time, I guess the at the start of this, you have to protect yourself from getting hit, and you can't trust the other player to do the right thing when he's not on your team. All right, one final one for Al May, longtime Washington Capitals broadcaster. Theoretically, if the Caps are out of it. Well, do you think there'd be a, a quiet market for a guy uh, like, as an example, Garnet Hathaway? Fourth line guy making $1.5 million. It's, it's a pretty affordable price. He had 14 goals last year. He knows his role. He's He can be at times a uh, guy that gets you under the skin. What do you, and, and the other one I have for you is just as Mantha. What, like... Why is he so inconsistent of a player in your opinion? Well, the first one on Hathaway, there, you know, pretty much every team in the league likes players like that. He knows his role. He's overachieved at every level. Uh, I remember watching late night games with the Calgary Flames, and I couldn't stand the guy. You know, when Oilers were playing, and, and, and I go, "Well, that's the kind of guy you want on your team." But he was always involved every game, he, and he knows his role. He doesn't deviate. He's not going to be doing the toe drag Saturday night special ever in a game. Uh, he, he keeps his game as simple, and I think role players have to keep their game simple. And then with Anthony Mantha, it's kind of a two part thing. And, and the first part is when he was in Detroit. He was on the first unit power play on the half wall, firing rockets every single power play that he was there. And he's come here. He didn't get on the power play. And this power play here with Ovechkin and gang, they, even with this team, with the players out, even when Oshie was out, they were leaving that unit on the ice for almost two minutes at a time. So Mantha gets his regular shift, which is on the third line. And, he, you know, Lars Eller is a heart and soul type of player. You know, he, he grinds and he, you know, battles hard in the face-off circle, checks like there's no tomorrow. You know, he, he's, a, you know, great on the back check, you know, throws the puck in deep for his wingers. He's not a playmaker. And he's throwing pucks over to, to Mantha. So Mantha's not getting the same looks. And, you know, you want players to earn it. And there's times that I guess the, the biggest problem I have with his game is weak on the wall as far as, you know, he's got a long stick, but he makes soft passes, soft plays on the wall. But if you want the puck to get in the zone, he's your guy. You give it to him, 
and he'll get the puck in the zone every time and get just some extended zone time. But I would, if I were the coach, I would get this power play back to two units. Uh, Ovi can stay on both. They might even have him change position on the second one. But give it so Anthony Mantha can fire some one-time bombs reminiscent of what Ovechkin does on the other side and maybe even start that power play a lot of times where Mantha's firing from the one side, always from the other, because we know how hard that is to stop a lot of nights in Tampa with Kucherov and Stamkos doing that. Uh, There's no reason they couldn't do it here. Uh, And and I look at the the lack of success in the power play earlier in the year, the lack of success of the Caps power play on the road all year. uh, I think that would be a good way to keep him involved in the game because he's not a penalty killer and you can say he's on the power play but he's not really on the power play because he hardly gets out there by the time the other guys get off so he's only getting regular strength ice time as a third line winger so I'll stick up for him in that regard and on the other side of it the guy needs a little bit of puck luck Uh, he's got some good looks but he definitely is a player that could turn it around in a heartbeat Al awesome stuff thank you for your time my man Yep, take care, Bob. Talk to you soon. You bet that's longtime Capitals broadcaster, Alan A. It is time to see what you got. It is Oilers Game Day Trivia brought to you by St. Albert's Source for Sports, your hockey headquarters for over fifty or 35 years. We are playing for a $50 GC from St. Albert's Source for Sports. You text the answer to 780-496-0063. Going all the way back to the 2003 NHL Draft, Name the only Oiler uh, drafted player after round one. So since the 2003 draft, name the only Oilers player, uh, the only Oiler selection after round one to have had a 60-point season in the National Hockey League. We'll uh, head off to a global news weather traffic update with Evan Cook. We'll come back with the answer and we'll hook up with our uh, farm report. Bakersfield Condors head coach Colin Chalk when we return. This is Oilers Now.